Hey folks, thanks for tuning in. Today is episode 50, titled, A House Divided Cannot Stand. Today we're going to be talking about the enemy's favorite tactic, which is division. It's not the type of division that happens as a result of fully committing yourself to Christ. Hence, when Christ says in Matthew 10:34, I did not come to bring peace but a sword, that's not what I'm referring to. I'm referring to rather than the division caused by demons. Let's go ahead and dive into today's scripture. Matthew chapter 12, verse 22 through 30 says, Then one was brought to him, who was demon-possessed, blind and mute, and he healed him, so that the blind man and the mute man both spoke and saw. And all the multitudes were amazed and said, Could this be the son of David? Now when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges." But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods, unless he first binds the strong man? And then he will plunder his house. He who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. Jesus makes a valid point regarding division. He tells us every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. So that's crystal clear. Let's see what the early church fathers say. We'll touch on some commentaries. The following information was taken from St. John Chrysostom, an early church father and archbishop, before there were any breaks in the faith. This is what he said regarding Matthew chapter 12, 25. Even before now, they had accused him of this, that by Beelzebub he casts out devils, but whereas then he did not rebuke them, allowing them both to know his power by his more numerous miracles and by his teaching to learn his majesty. Now since they continued saying the same thing, he proceeds also to rebuke them, showing his Godhead, or his deity, by this first, that he made their secrets public, and secondly, by the very act of casting out the devils with ease. How then does he plead with them? Not by allegation out of the scriptures, for they knew too much of the scriptures as to attest, but were sure rather to distort their meaning. But he does this by the events of ordinary life. For every kingdom, says he, divided itself cannot stand, and a city and a house, if it be divided, is soon dissolved. For the wars from without are not so ruinous as the civil ones. Yeah, and this is the case in bodies too. It is the case even in all things. But for this time, he takes his illustration from those that are more publicly known. So St. John Chrysostom talks about internal division, internal, whether it's internal within the individual internal within the home, internal within the neighborhood, internal within the city, internal within the county, internal within the state, or internal in the country. Those are the most damaging 
divisions. Now, when we think about a house divided, let's put things in perspective, not so much the social areas that I just mentioned, like city, county, state. Let's not talk about the political divisions, if you will. Let's talk about the divisions of the household of faith, and you'll find that term in Galatians chapter 4, verse 28. There was only one Christian faith that maintained continuity until 1054 AD. There were five churches, five major churches. It was Jerusalem, Antioch, Alexandria, Constantinople, and Rome. The Great Schism of 1054 brought about for the first time in history an official major break in the household of faith. We would now have what is called Orthodox Christians and the traditional Roman Catholic Christians. Now, if you fast forward another 500 years, we'll have another, it's essentially a schism if you look at the definition, and this schism is called the Protestant Reformation. This happened around 1517 when Luther nailed his 95 theses to the Catholic Church door. Fast forward another 500 years, and we have 43,000 Protestant denominations and projected to have 55,000 by 2050. Now, I want to tell you those stats. They came from a Protestant theological seminary. So we can't say that, oh, the Catholics are just hating, or the Orthodox are just hating. Oh, no. That is a Protestant theological seminary that came up with those numbers. Now, let me ask you this. Is that continuity of faith? Of course not. Does that make our Lord happy? Of course not. And we know this because Matthew chapter 12, verse 25 says it. He says it right there, that a house divided cannot stand. Now, in today's scriptures, towards the end, Jesus said, He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. That was Matthew chapter 12, verse 30. So let's see what the early church fathers say about that verse, Matthew chapter 20. The following information was taken from a commentary by Chromatius of Aquilia. He was an early church bishop before there were any breaks in the Christian faith. And rightly, Jesus adds, he who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. By this he meant that his work is one thing, and the devil's work is another. For the devil is the enemy of human well-being. It is proper for the devil to scatter to utter destruction, and for Christ to gather to salvation. Hence it is clear that one who is against the Lord cannot be with the Lord. Therefore all the Lord seems to be repudiating those Pharisees who are unwilling to gather with Christ, have remained the Lord's enemies and adversaries. He speaks also of the heretics and schismatics, drawing impious conclusions against the church or the Lord by way of unorthodox teachings or schismatic beliefs. They aim to tear asunder and revenge the incorrupt body of the church and the unity of peace and faith. They are oblivious to, the, to Solomon's words, he who splits a log is endangered by it. Clearly, those who cause separation in the church shall run the risk of eternal death. And that's absolutely terrifying to read what he says. Mind you, early church bishop, before there were any breaks in the faith, the Christian faith was one faith when that commentary was written. Now here, Chromatius of Aquilia is warning us of heretics. For those of you who don't know, they're false teachers. They teach false doctrines. And schismatics are people who basically cause a reformation in the church without an ecumenical council, or they participate in that schism that occurred without ecumenical council. And that divides the church body. You would not believe 
the amount of heresy in certain Christian faiths once you go through the ecumenical councils and early church history with a fine-tooth comb. Now, I won't say which ones. I'll let you go investigate that yourself. Study the ecumenical councils, and it will all be made clear to you. An example of that, by the way, would be non-Trinitarians. That's a heresy. Non-Trinitarians do not serve the same God as true Christians. Just because when someone calls themselves a Christian and says they have faith doesn't make it so. So let me close with a couple of things that will help point you in the right direction. First, the authority of Paul, followed by his instruction that is bound in heaven. Paul's apostolic authority comes from Matthew chapter 18, verse 18, when Jesus said to the apostles, Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosened in heaven. Just so you know, Paul did some, along with other apostles, Paul binds some things on earth that Christ will bind in heaven. And that's the New Testament canon, by the way. It's the New Testament epistles and the New Testament writings of Paul. It's all bound. It's not something that's pushed away to the side casually. It's the authority of God. This is what Paul says. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 15 says, So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by spoken word or by our letter. Now, the Greek word there for spoken word is katechio. That's where the word catechism comes from. Just so you guys know, it took three years in the early church as a catechumen to become a Christian. Three years of studying the scriptures in order for you to be baptized and be considered a Christian. Now, I will also tell you the first catechism was the Didache. And everybody agrees, the Didache was actually written before the New Testament was compiled and ruled as canon. Okay? The New Testament was compiled around 150 to 200 AD, and St. Athanasius in the early 4th century said these 27 books should be the New Testament, and it was the Council of Hippo and the Council of Carthage that ruled, yes, St. Athanasius was right, this is our biblical canon. Okay? The Didache was written before that. It was the teachings of the apostles. That's what the Didache is. It's the first catechism. And before anybody gets bent out of shape about the word catechism, Orthodox Christians have catechism, traditional Roman Catholic Christians have catechism, and Protestant Christians have catechism. Catechism was something that was pushed away with all of the reformations of the Protestant church. But when Luther broke away from the Catholic church, there was catechism. And that's what the spoken word is that Paul's talking about in 2 Thessalonians 2.15. It's catechio, and you can find that in the Greek manuscript. So we have to go to catechism. We have to be diligent students of history and the word to understand the origins of our faith. But that's not all Paul says. 1 Corinthians 11.12 says, Now I commend you, because you remember me in everything and maintain the traditions even as I have delivered them to you. What's the best source of some of those traditions? If you don't want to go into an actual church, go read the Didache. That's the Apostles' standard for traditions in some sense. There are more, but that is a perfect starting point. Second Thessalonians, this is not all again what Paul says. There's more verses about this. Second Thessalonians 3, 6. Now we command you, this is not commend, command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not according 
excuse me, and not in according with the traditions that you have received from us. Paul is saying, stay away from them. He's saying, stay away from people who don't maintain the traditions of the apostles. That is direct instruction from God. Now, this is what I'll close with. Go read the Didache. Go read the Didache. And that will show you how far your church, quote-unquote church, I use that term loosely here in this context, how far that church is away from the teachings of the Twelve Apostles. God says, through the Apostle Paul, there is one body, one spirit, one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. Not three bodies, not three spirits, not three lords, not three faiths, and not three baptisms. And that's Paul's writing, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4 through 5. That's all we have for today, folks. I hope everyone has a great day. Fight the good fight. God bless.